I think my generation is leaning away from the more organized institutional religions and taking a more individualized spiritual path, um, kind of finding their own path in a spiritual way and less of a religious way, if that makes sense. This is a podcast called Walk, Talk, Listen, an attempt to connect people and make this world a bit better by sharing opinions and experiences based on the belief that everyone's perspective is true, albeit partial. My name is Maurice Blum, and I would like to welcome you to yet another episode of Walk, Talk. Good day, everybody. This is another episode of the podcast Walk, Talk, Listen. And as always, I'm delighted with today's guest who will introduce herself. Emily, please go ahead. Yeah, hi, everyone. My name is Emily Echevarria, and I am the Director of Climate Action at the Parliament of the World Religions. So right now I'm based in Chicago, which is the headquarters of the Parliament. I'm actually originally from Florida, so a much different place than where I'm living now, especially in terms of the climate. Yeah. Um, so my background is in foreign policy and the environment, and that's how I kind of got involved in the faith-based sphere. So my undergraduate degree is from the University of North Florida in political science, where I worked a lot on different environmental campaigns and was really involved in my community. Um, I grew up on a little island off the coast of Florida, so a small town that was really focused on conservation and protecting our our ecosystem, especially in terms of the ocean, protecting sea turtles and sharks and whales mm. and all of those great things. So that was a really big part of getting me to where I am. Um, so then after I graduated, I moved my way to Chicago, where I did my master's degree at DePaul University. Uh, and there I studied environmental diplomacy, which is really focused on sustainable development, um, on foreign policy, mm -hmm. on making connections with people across different NGOs and governments and backgrounds to really form these communities that care about a central issue. And that's how I found myself at the Parliament. So I've been working at the Parliament as the Director of Climate Action for mm -hmm. just about two years now, and it's been a really busy two years. So in my role, I lead all of our, our climate-based advocacy and education across the country and internationally. We're involved in a lot of different initiatives like the Faith for Earth Project, mm -hmm. uh, where we've worked with the UN Environment Program to create an educational book about what different faiths have to say about care for the earth and what their active projects are. So we work a lot with UNEP on pushing that forward, getting more people involved, and getting it into different universities to help students learn about the importance of faith-based actors and the importance of care for the earth. We're also involved in a lot of campaigns um, about creating policies that put uh, the environment at the forefront of everyone's minds and making sure that faith-based uh, interests are represented at all these different forums. So we work on things like the Fossil Fuels Non-Proliferation Treaty, um, the, the Treaty to Remove Plastics, um, making sure that, um, that youth are represented in all that we do because um, I'm our, our youth leader for the parliament as well. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, so a yeah. lot of our work um, focuses on international things and making sure that when there's a discussion happening about the environment, that faith-based actors are also at the table and, and getting things done and hearing, having our voices heard. Um, mm -hmm. And then just this last August, our big project was our 2023 convening, 
Uh, we do a convening every couple of years in a major city around the world just to bring people of all different faiths together in one place to talk about the most important topics. And last year, our topic was defending human rights and freedom. Mm-hmm. And we had over 7,000 people in the city of Chicago to talk about faith and democracy, which was so interesting. And climate change was a really big aspect of that. So I was really excited to get to lead that part of the project. We had over 80 different breakout sessions that focused on the environment and climate change Mm -hmm. um, across all different major religions and all different kinds of things about the environment, whether it's care for the earth or climate anxiety or how to create your own um, community group that focuses on the environment and things like that. And then we were able to have three big plenary sessions about the environment. We had speakers like uh, Bishop Mark Andres, we had Jane Goodall, uh, we had Reverend Gerald Durley, and then we had a special session that was just about the Amazon rainforest and protecting indigenous and environmental rights in the Amazon. So it's been a really busy two years <laughs> since I've joined the yeah. parliament, <laughs> yeah. um, but a lot of great work about protecting the environment and making sure that faith-based interests have a say in what's going on in our environment too. That that's 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 amazing, uh, Emily. I I I, uh, I have a, a couple of questions of, uh, about the things that I heard you explain and and tell. Yeah. The first one is maybe you know. Um, so yeah, I understand you you grew up in in Florida and that exposed you to you know nature. Is that also something um, that you um, that you know, was part of your upbringing? I mean, you know, your parents took you um, around or was that, no, you know, Emily is interested and, you know, tries to discover that by herself. How did that happen? Yeah, I think it was a little bit of both. So um, uh, we were always out on the water. My dad owned a little boat when I was growing up. So we were always out on the ocean. Um, but I was a little scared of the ocean when I was little. You know, I was scared mm-hmm. about sharks and crabs and jellyfish and all of those things. So I was a little timid about it. But um, as I got older and kept growing up on the ocean, I just got more and more fascinated with it. And then I was just lucky that my whole community had so much support for that. So people would come into my elementary school to talk about the ocean. And we would do projects in my middle school uh, science classes about our local environment. So I think it was just my whole community really pushed me in that way. And it just fostered this natural interest in the natural environment. Okay. And then the other thing that I've heard you explain is, uh, you know, you work for the the parliament um, and that is basically an entity that works interface. So with all kinds of Mm -hmm. uh, religions. So is faith, was that also important during your upbringing or did that come later? Yeah, so that wasn't as important uh, growing up. Uh, Growing up in Florida, it's a very uh, Christian and very Southern Baptist environment. So there wasn't a lot of interfaith diversity in my community growing up. So that's something that really came later for me, uh, especially when I was doing my master's degree, because my program was all about diplomacy. And one Mm -hmm. of the important aspects of diplomacy academically is interfaith diplomacy and how people of different religions and faiths can come together to work in that way. Um, So that kind of drew me to that topic. And then the parliament has kind of fostered that appreciation for interfaith work in me as well. Okay. Um, So you're finished with your master's. Mm -hmm. Okay. Was that uh, before you you started working for the parliament or, or, you know, No, it was was at the same time. So it was been a really, really busy couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
So you have been really busy. So so what are you doing now? Are you already preparing for the next one? Or are you still well, right, in the reporting yeah. phase of the previous one? Yeah, we're kind of still coming out of last year's convening and figuring mm -hmm. out who we are as an organization in the years in between our really big events. So our next really big convening won't be for a couple of years and we're still trying to decide where it will be and what the topic will be. But in the meantime, we just launched a new series called Focus 24. It launched last Tuesday. It's gonna be a year long series of webinars and events that talk about faith, democracy and our common future. So it's bringing some of our really big headliner speakers from the convening to talk about this really specific topic that's affecting a lot of people because this year is a huge election year, not just in the United States, but across the world. Mm. And something like I think a fourth of the entire population is going to be participating in a democratic election this year. So that's our focus this year is launching that series and having these really dedicated discussions about what does it mean to be a faith-based actor in an election and in a democracy and what topics are really at stake this year. Mm. Okay, we, I, I will have some questions you know, around it as well. Um, where I would like to go first with you is, um, uh, you know, or you might not know that, you know, this podcast is a spin-off of a 100-mile walk that I started in 2011, 2012, um, you know, where I try to raise funds and awareness around hunger, poverty, and injustice. So then during COVID, I was not able to, well, I, I still walk myself, but I was not able to be accompanied by others. So that, that's how this podcast then started. Um, so the question I always have for my, for my guest is, what would drive you to walk, you know, a hundred mile? I, I think I know, but I would like to hear. Um, yeah. So, you know, yeah. 100 mile in a week, 15 to 20 miles a day. Yeah. Why would you do yeah. that? Well, as a climate activist, of course, walking mm -hmm. is always better for the environment than and any other method of transportation when you can do it. Of course, mm -hmm. I'm in Chicago right now, so most of our days are like negative 10. So walking isn't as feasible right now. Mm -hmm. uh, but I would say definitely the environment, more specifically um, animal conservation, you know, protecting different endangered species and especially the oceanic species. Okay. Um, and, and, you know, and, and this is, I'm really interested to hear from you what your thoughts are, because, you know, when, when you walk, um, you know, you have time to, to think about why, why on earth. And, and uh, very often when I'm accompanied by others, we talk about life, we talk about spirituality, religion. And then uh, there is one specific topic we always talk about, and that is the younger generation. And then there seems to be kind of two school of thought. I mean, one is saying, oh, the younger generation, you know, is not religious anymore. They might be spiritual. Uh, and others are saying, no, you know, it's still the same, but maybe, you know, the way it is, um, yeah, that the building as such is, might be different. It might not have the attraction anymore. Anyway, my, my question for you is, what do you see happening uh, among youth and spirituality and religion in your community? Yeah, so I would definitely say um, that in my generation, I do see a lot of people leaning away from the bigger religious institutions. I think my generation has a lot of distrust in big institutions, especially um, just seeing like different scandals and things that have happened over the years or inaction on big topics. I think my generation is leaning away from the more organized institutional religions and taking a more individualized spiritual path. Um, kind of finding their own path in a spiritual way and less of a religious way, if that makes sense. 
So I think I think people my age are exploring different religions and what it means to them personally. Mm -hmm. um, and instead of just listening to what others have to say, I think they're listening more to who they are internally and taking a much more meditative internal approach to how they feel about the world. And an approach that's much more uh, about forming your own community, you know, making like your found family, finding those around you who have similar beliefs, learning about what different religions have to say and sort of patching together what you believe and taking pieces from different different systems you see and making it fit your own life, I think is kind of what I see my generation doing. And, and you know, you, you work for the Parliament of World Religions now. So what does that development then, you know, that, you know, it, that particular trend, what, what does that mean for the, for the Parliament then? Yeah, so what we've figured out at the Parliament is actually um, our second biggest constituency, mm -hmm. especially at convenings, the second biggest group of people who show up are people who identify as broadly spiritual, but not with a specific religion. So I think that's a lot of our audience is those people that are curious about what other religions are doing, what other religions have to say on different topics, as they sort of figure out what their beliefs are. So I think that's that's a lot of who we speak to as the parliament. But it is, I mean, it's, it's interesting because, you know, I, I think from my perspective then, it will, you know, the way the parliament is organized uh, might change because now you know you you i mean originally maybe there's a lot of the more um yeah the, the the bigger religions and then you go to the leaders and that is how you organize it and now it might be more difficult to find you know people to participate right or at least differently you communicate and interact yeah it will definitely be different i think it's going to be more of a grassroots movement we see mm. where instead of going to big institutions which are still so powerful and so important um it's gonna be more of community-based organizing uh people who just in their community are really passionate about these topics um, and want to talk about them in a way that reflects their spiritual beliefs i think there's a lot of there's a lot of grassroots movements happening mm -hmm. which is really similar to how the climate change movement is going um we push a lot on big institutions to make changes that are sustainable, but they don't always happen. So a lot of the big changes that happen in the climate change world are really these grassroots efforts where communities are making an effort to to be more green and to push certain policies. So I think those two are kind of mirroring each other. Okay. Um, what I should have asked you before, because, you know, I, I know the parliament myself, but but some of my uh, the the listeners might not know so can you tell a little bit about the history you know and and yeah how yeah. it's structured yeah yeah so the parliament is one of the oldest and most inclusive interfaith organizations in the world mm -hmm. and it's considered to be the the foundation of the modern interfaith movement so the first parliament was held in 1893 at the world's fair the columbian exhibition in chicago so that's where our headquarters is um, and it brought speakers from all over the world to talk about uh, spirituality and religion. And it was a smaller, much smaller convening then, but it was one of the aspects of the World's Fair. And then it's a 100 year anniversary of the World's Fair. So 1993, that was the foundation of the modern parliament where people who were really passionate about the interfaith movement brought this idea back. And we had our first really big modern convening again in Chicago. And so every few years we have another really big convening that just brings people from all over the world 
and of all different faiths together to meet on certain topics and foster these interfaith relationships um, to bring to consensus on certain issues that are important at the time. And so we've had convenings in Barcelona, Cape Town, uh, again, Chicago, Toronto, Salt Lake City. I'm sure I'm leaving off in Australia. Um, so we do that every every couple of years to bring the interfaith movement forward and focus on different topics. So last year's focus was on human rights and democracy. And then in between, we have a number of ongoing programs that focus on different constituencies and what the interfaith movement can do on that. So for example, we have um, Indigenous peoples, climate action, women and girls, uh, youth and peace and justice are some of our standing task forces that work on those issues uh, in the years in between our convenings to push those issues forward. Um, mm -hmm. but yeah, we are not um, a representative organization. So no one that works with the parliament or serves on the board is doing so in their official uh, religious way. So if they're a priest or a reverend, they're not serving mm -hmm. the parliament in that official role, which gives us a little bit more freedom in terms of making decisions and pushing things forward. Mm -hmm. Let us continue the conversation uh, around climate and climate action. Um, because when we talked about the younger generation, we said, okay, you know, um, you, you collaborate a lot also with the, the climate action people or yeah. the movement. So, yeah, explain that a bit. And how is that going? And Yeah, so we have a lot of our work is done in networks. You know, mm -hmm. um, we're always stronger as a group than we are as an individual. And we want to make sure that as much diversity of faiths is, is represented as possible. Mm -hmm. So we're a number of a bunch of different coalitions that work together on different issues. So for example, the Faith for Earth Coalition that works with the United Nations Environment Program to make sure that at all of these really big UN events and government events that the faith-based voice is being represented. Uh, we're also part of the Faith for Biodiversity Coalition, which is, is similar, but talks about uh, the big biodiversity conventions and what we can do to protect biodiversity. The big goal is 30 by 30, which means we want to have 30% of species protected by the year 2030. So that's a really big initiative we're a part of in collaboration with, with other faith-based groups. For example, Bumi Global is leading that with Gopal Patel, and that organization is fantastic. Uh, we're also a part of, and this is going to be a really long name, uh, the Committee for Religious NGOs at the United Nations Climate Working Group, <laughs> which is basically all of these all of these NGOs that are faith-based and care about the environment and work in the UN sphere come together once a month to talk about uh, the biggest issues that are happening and how we can support each other, whether it's um, we want to have an event and we need co-sponsors or we need recommendations for speakers or we want to release a policy statement, but we want to make sure we get everyone's input. So as a group, we're able to come together and figure out what the top priorities are and make sure that faith is represented at across all of these different forums. You mentioned uh, that you uh, that the parliament also collaborates a lot with UNEP. And, and again, can you explain to, for the listeners what that stands for? Yeah, so UNEP is the United Nations Environment Program, and that is the highest uh, government institution that regulates the environment and creates policies about protecting the environment. And uh, they will actually have the United Nations Environment Assembly just next month in Nairobi. So that's going to be a really big event that talks about uh, climate change, biodiversity, and kind of where we are in terms of protecting the environment. 
It's also the institution that does a lot of work on sustainable development goals, on setting what their priorities are for protecting the earth and making sure that people are living in um, a sustainable and also just way. So it talks a lot about climate justice, environmental justice, uh, reducing poverty and things like that. Okay. Um, Emily, I mean, the, I know that the parliament is, is uh, worried about a lot of things. And, you know, I mean, I heard you say that, well, I would walk for climate and especially, you know, um, the marine, right? I mean, that the, the, yeah. that particular focus. Um, so if I would ask you, what do you worry about most at the moment? What would that be? And where do you still see hope? Yeah, so I would say, so we're coming off of um, a really big event called uh, COP28, the uh, Conference of Parties on Climate Change, and it's the 28th one. And this is the institution that came forward with the Paris Agreement on Climate Change, the Kyoto Protocol, these really big overarching environmental policies that have kind of driven um, how we structure all of our environmental policies in terms of we really need to reduce fossil fuels and carbon emissions, and we need to li limit the temperature rise by one degree Celsius by 2030 and things like that. Uh, we just came off of another really big one, but over the years, we've seen a lot, a lot less progress happening in them. And it's become more of um, government officials traveling to these you know, exotic countries, uh, talking to each other and arguing and then coming out saying, well, we'll figure that out next year. Um, but we're not seeing a lot of progress. And we're also seeing a lot of um, limitations being imposed on the NGOs and civil society that wants to participate, getting harder and harder um, for NGOs to travel to these really far places. It's getting harder to get badges to attend, to get side events approved. Uh, so we've seen some limitations of civil society involvement. So that's where I am, am worried at the moment of, of inaction of these large institutions and how we can really make sure we're meeting these really important deadlines for protecting the earth. I do see a lot of hope in the way that that civil society is responding hmm. uh, and the way that these grassroots movements are really pushing back and making sure that our voices are still heard and we're still showing up to the table and making sure that what we believe in um, is being heard, that we're pushing back against inaction and making sure that we're saying that we have to be better. We have to make sure that we are holding ourselves accountable to these standards that we've set and holding all of these large corporations accountable for their emissions as well. So I see a lot of hope in, especially in the younger generation and my generation, and holding um, large institutions accountable and, and just civil society in general. And um, yeah, you, you were referring to um, COP28, right? Just, just yeah. finished. And what I've heard is some people are happy with the outcomes and others are it's very, very disappointed. Um, where are you? Because, you know, I would say I'm, I'm, again, yeah. and maybe maybe help to summarize, you know, what, what is maybe the, the, the big outcome um, for the listeners. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say I'm, I'm pretty disappointed. Um, mm. Last year, they decided they were going to create a loss and damages fund that yeah. would sort of help distribute money to those countries that are the most impacted by climate change. Because... Often, those are the countries that are least responsible for climate change. And those are the countries that we consider less developed and may need, if we're going to be holding them accountable to these new standards, they're going to need help getting there. Uh, and then this year, they talked more about the fund, but I really don't feel like a lot of decisions were made 
or real progress towards implementing that fund um, was created. What was most frustrating for me this year is the involvement of the fossil fuel industry. And of course, it's really important that the fossil fuel industry is represented at these events um, because those are the ones who are gonna be really impacted by the decisions. So it's important they're also at the table so they understand how they will be impacted and what's being decided. Um, but there was a lot of priority placed on um, fossil fuel executives, fossil fuel representatives um, being catered to, I think in a way. Um, and I think these events are really turning into ways for fossil fuel companies to network with governments. And, and instead of really being held accountable, they were more of kind of being schmoozed um, and prioritized at the event. And I'm worried we'll see that again next year because the event will be in um, another petrol state like we saw this year. So it'll be interesting to watch and see how that develops. I, I'm like you, I'm also worried about the future of our planet, of humanity. What I'm positive is the fact that, you know, um, as a world, we uh, agreed upon uh, 17 sustainable development goals. They are not perfect, um, but at least, you know, we have something to aspire for. Unfortunately, you know, we are only at 15% on average. Um, and so I have two questions about the sustainable development goals for you. I mean, one is, what would you like to know? Uh, no, what was you the, to tell the listeners about the SDGs? And then the second part of the question is, um, you know, a growing group of people within the world uh, says, you know, one of the reasons that we are not reaching those goals is that um, we never paid attention to the ability, skills and knowledge that you need as an individual and as a community. And so they did a survey and, um, you know, they had discussions and they came up with the inner development goals. So there are five goals, being, thinking, relating, collaborating and acting. Um, so the second part of the question is, have you heard about those inner development goals and do you have any thoughts around it? Yeah, so um, I do a lot of work academically and professionally about the sustainable development goals. It's something that I've studied a lot. I think it's really important that we created these goals and called attention to them. Um, but a lot of the countries that we aimed these goals towards are just not equipped um, to handle what we're asking of them in a way. And just last year, we hit the halfway point for the SDGs. And there was a big summit um, about the SDGs and about how far we've come and how far we still need to go in order to actually achieve those. And sort of what the next stage of that will be once we reach 2030. Uh, but what I find really inspiring about the SDGs is a project I'm working on called the, um, the Faith-Based Action on the Sustainable Development Goals Database, and that's hosted on the EO Forum website. And it tracks what different groups on the ground all across the world that are faith-based are doing to promote SDGs. So there's uh, over 100 projects on that database right now that talk about people in every country and what they're doing for say SDG 9 and SDG 10, and just all these projects that are hyper-focused on sustainable development. And I think those stories are so inspiring. And there's a lot of great lessons you can learn from them, whether you wanna implement that project in your own community, or you want to help that project and connect them to resources. Um, I think that database is a really great project in tracking what's actually happening on the ground for the SDGs. Because a lot of the time we talk about them in this big high level way of what do we need to accomplish and what do these goals mean? But it's really the people on the ground across the 
the, the work to get these goals achieved. And then okay. in terms of the inner development goals, the first time I heard of that was actually from you at the parliament in August. And I think they are so fascinating. Um, and I think that's the inner development goals are the way that we can achieve the SDGs. It's the work that we have to do as an individual and as a community to grow together, to be able to achieve a big project like that, especially the goals about collaborating and action. Um, I think those are the steps that, especially in climate action, that we're really focusing on is how do we form communities and groups that have similar interests and how do we push those groups to actually act on what they care about? Hmm. Yeah. No, thanks for that, uh, Emily. And, and, uh, <laughs> thanks for, for doing more research on, on it after, after you and I uh, met in, in yeah. uh, this past summer. Um, so, so, you know, uh, Part of the goals is is about relating, collaborating, you know, co-creating. Um, so what I hope that this podcast is doing is is connect people. And you know, even if uh, even if you don't agree from, on most issues, that you still are able to hear something from a, a previous guest or as a listener to a guest where you think, oh, but this is interesting, and here I could have a conversation with the other person. So. Um, so I thought a little bit more about it. So I came also up with a, really, you know, connecting my, my guest. And I do that by um, asking my guest uh, to have a question for the next guest. So I have a question for you from the previous guest. And the guest, um, his name was Ira. He asked, If you took a step or two back and evaluated the current uh, situation at the global, national, and local level. Is there one particular song you would um, suggest um, paying attention to the lyrics uh, to help us get through these difficult times? Yeah. So, so the song I, I think of isn't actually about climate change, but it's a good reflection of kind of where we are as society. I think of the song uh, The Man by Taylor Swift, and it's about um, how it's about women's empowerment and listening to women and how um, in our society, especially uh, in the U.S., it's so hard for women to make progress as leaders uh, in, all, in all different uh, atmospheres, whether it's, you know, the arts or it's government or things like that. And it's about just the different standards that society holds people to. So I think it's a really good song about taking a step back and evaluating um, gender equality, especially, you know, we just had big movies like Barbie come out and there's this whole big discussion about feminism happening. So I think that song really comes to mind in terms of where we are as, as a world. Okay, great. Thank you. Thank you. And and are you, are you also a fan of, of Taylor Swift? Or is yeah, oh, because... big fan. Okay. Yeah. Okay, you're a big fan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, what is your uh, question for the next guest? Yeah, well, I guess my question would be back to the SDGs. So mm -hmm. like I said, we're, we're halfway to achieving them in terms of the timeline, not necessarily in terms of progress. And um, so seeing as we are halfway to where we're supposed to achieve the goals, what do you think we need to do as a community to achieve those goals in the next six years? Okay, tough question. Um, yeah, it's a big you, question. You all asked yeah. it. Uh, that, that's great. Um, 
Yeah, I, I was just reminded because you you were um, in your question around SDGs, you were mentioning a website. Um, I don't yeah. think I have that website, so we need to make sure that we will be able to uh, share that in the podcast notes. So if you can uh, get that to me, uh, it would be great. Hey, um, you know, I don't know if this is still going on, but it's, it absolutely happened. And it is Steve uh, Harmon, uh, Hartman of, of CBS in the uh, here in the US. He examined or still ex examining how one simple act of kindness creates a ripple effect. So I have two questions around this. Um, you know, one is what are your thoughts about you know the potential of a simple act of kindness and its rippling effect? And then the second part of the question is, if I would ask you right now on the spot to, you know, to do one simple act of kindness this week, uh, what would you do and, and why? Yeah, I think that concept is, is so important, especially in the year that we're going into. Um, I think our society is really divided and there's a lot uh, of hatred and fear of the other and things that aren't like us. Um, especially in an election year, there's a lot of animosity between people who have different political beliefs. So I think acts of kindness and just kindness in general can go so long, so far to bridging the gap between us and society and helping us to just have a conversation, being at the same table to talk about what matters to us and how we can come together to achieve those. Because at the end of the day, you know, we share a country, uh, we share a planet, we have these things in common, and we have to figure out how to work together to protect those things. Um, so I think kindness can go so far in, in bridging those gaps in a community. In terms of an act of kindness I would I would do today, I think, like I said, it's really, really cold in Chicago and there's we have a really big homeless population and it's 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 just so cold. I would love to just you know, buy a bunch of like winter hats and gloves and just give them out to people I see just to help insulate them from this weather because I know I wouldn't want to be outside today. Great. No, thanks. Um, yeah, and, and you know, for people who have never been in the US, I mean, Chicago is known for its, you know, cold winds, right? And yeah, it comes from the lakes and, and uh, really, really cold. Um, you know, I, I have another uh, uh, question around music for you. Because this is my question for you. The other question was from a previous guest. Because music is very important uh, to me. So, yeah, we have we have heard a lot about you know where you grew up and and what you studied. Um, I would like to go one level deeper and ask you if I ask you to come up with a song or a piece of music that best embodies what you emily are are about at least for the big part which song or piece of music uh would you name and and why yeah yeah so the song i think of is is a lot about growing up and where i grew up so it's called you're gonna go far by noah khan and uh, it's about how scary it can be to move away from your hometown and tackle big goals but how how great it is to have a family and a community that encourages you to achieve your goals and to go far in the world to pursue what you care about. So I think that really embodies the journey that I've been on, moving so far away from home and traveling so much. 
but knowing that I have the community that supports me and encourages me to, to go do these big, these big world changing projects. Right. And, and we will, uh, I don't know if you know, but, but, uh, we made a, a Spotify a playlist of all the songs that have been, uh, selected by oh, great. Uh, the guests. So it's, yeah, I think it's really cool because you have, you know, from classical music to jazz, R&B, rock, name it and it's it's there so or 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 hymns or yeah um i i always liked listening to it because it reminds me of you know all the great people i i was able to talk with um hey emily you know huh, um it you know i heard from you okay but you you, you have concerns you still have hope um you know, I, I think one of the, the, the issues that, um, you know, I've heard it at the parliament is that, and, and I think that's what, what that particular body brings, because it, it, I think it almost comes naturally for, for people who try to attend, uh, who, who are attending the parliament uh, conferences and are in um, discussions that you need system changes, but you need also uh, inner changes, you know, you need to work uh, on yourself, you need to work on your community, it needs to be a, a balance. Um, because, you know, it's all it's connected, and, and we are all interconnected. Um, what I would like to ask you is, I've heard more and more people say, you know, one of the problems, and I, I th also think that that the Pope wrote about this in Laudato Si, is that, um, you know, the systems that we have developed, they only uh, put an emphasis on us as humans. And we did not think really about the planet. And that's why we are in this, you know, yeah, that's why we are in, the, in, in a soup. That's why, uh, um, you know, we have so many challenges. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think these big institutions really set an agenda. Um, and a, or create a forum for us to come together as people that share things like the environment. Um, but just like any big institution, it's very bureaucratic and things get lost in the progress. And it's really hard for an average person to keep track of what's actually happening. Um, I work a lot with the UN and I still get really confused about what's happening in all these meetings. But I think there's a lot of disconnect between an individual person and what's happening at these big global levels. And it can be hard to really conceptualize the fact that it's this our, our entire planet that we all share that we are trying to protect. And there's so many different actors at play in it. Um, but I, I really appreciate what the Pope has said on that. He actually just released a second letter on the environment called Laudato Deum that talks more about holding our institutions accountable. Um, so I think, like I said, there's a lot of grassroots movements happening in parallel to big institutions that are really doing a lot of the work in, in doing the inner development and in encouraging people as individuals to change their their lives and their their um, outlooks on things like that. So you know a lot a lot of people and I, I think especially maybe a lot of younger people they feel overwhelmed by all these challenges. And any word of advice? Yeah, um, I would say finding finding a space in your community where people also care about things like that is so important. Having that support um, can really help in combat, 
you know, the fear and the anxiety that comes with these things like uh, environmental degradation. Um, I think having a support system or people where you can talk about things with can really also help you get past that fear and into action. You have a community supporting you. One of the groups we have is the parliament is the Buddhist Catholic dialogue on climate crisis, where it brings people together from these different religious traditions uh, to talk about what's going on in their community, their fears, their anxieties, and their goals to kind of offer support and a system for people to put ideas into and see like what other ideas people have and how we can support each other. Um, so I would just recommend finding your, your community and your found family there so that you have a group you can go through it with. Um, what, what I've heard is also, you know, a lot of, well, a growing gro a group of people are, are, are kind of learning also what is already part of, of the culture of uh, a lot of indigenous populations. And that is, you know, talking uh, about the seventh generation. So, you know, um, so my, my question to you is, is um, you know, seventh generations from now, assuming, you know, that we are able to somehow save this world um what do you hope uh, that your great 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 grandchildren will say you know about you as an ancestor at that time yeah this is this is one of our projects as our, our climate action part of the parliament too it's mm -hmm. protecting the rights of future generations to have a healthy planet so i hope that they say that we we tried our hardest to protect the planet and we really got our priorities straight there um, I don't want them to look back like we look back at some of our ancestors and think about how we really ruined the planet and created all this pollution. Um, I want them to think of us as really nurturing the planet that they live on and setting them up for success. Um, no, and, and listening to you, I was also reminded is that, um, you know, the, the, the right of the future generation, um, there is also a growing group that says, you know, the rights of nature. Yeah. Um, yeah. What What are you or what is the parliament uh, doing about that? Yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely one of our big areas as well. The rights of the rights of nature, the rights of the earth itself, mm -hmm. and how those are just as valid as human rights, and how we're exploiting natural resources. Um, so a lot of our work is about ending fossil fuel proliferation adding the exploitation of that a lot of my personal work is the exploitation of animals and how we can make sure that our systems like things like fisheries and farms are are treating our natural resources and animals with respect in that way mm, okay and and uh, yeah we also need to make sure that that uh, the listeners can can find the website of, of the parliament as well and any other uh, interesting links that you think they should be aware of um, Absolutely. Hey, these conversations always go fast. Um, any question that I should have asked, but I did not? No, I think we really covered the gamut there. Yeah. Okay. And and uh, maybe the last one then is, is if uh, people would like to become part of, of the parliament, what should they do? Yeah, so you can check out our website. It's pow.org. And you can check out our new series we just launched, Focus 24 faith, democracy, and our common future, and tune in throughout the year to see all the conversations that we're having about human rights, democracy, and what the faith voice has to say about that. Great. Hey, th thank you so much for your willingness to talk uh, with me and for everything you do. It's absolutely wonderful. Um, yeah, thanks for having me.
Good luck. Thank you. for listening to Walk, Talk, Listen. Please check us out on 100mile.org or follow us on Facebook or Instagram.